following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. So turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 13. This morning we're going to look at verses 31 through 35, and that's on page um, 873 in the Pew Bibles. And our text for this morning is is a it's a curious one, I think. Um, in one short paragraph, Jesus references um, foxes and chickens, um, but uh, and uses those in very different directions. They are they're on opposite ends of the spectrum here. Um, and something for us to remember again that uh, Luke's gospel is not necessarily 100% chronological in its organization, but it's more thematic um, in in what Luke chooses to um, to put one thing after another. So this um, this particular um, these these verses, Jesus and the disciples are in Galilee. Um, uh, which was ruled by Herod, if you remember his name. Um, and they're making their way towards Jerusalem, preaching and teaching and casting out demons and healing people. And this act, interaction between Jesus and the Pharisees kind of gives us a wonderful picture, I think, into the heart of Jesus um, and his ministry. So let's look at Luke 13, starting at verse 31. At that very hour, some Pharisees came and said to him, Get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. And he said to them, Go and tell that fox, Behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I finish my course. Nevertheless, I must go on my way today and tomorrow and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet should perish away from Jerusalem. O oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the cities the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. Behold, your house is forsaken. And I tell you, you will not see me until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we are grateful to be gathered around your word today, um, whether here or in our homes watching online, uh, we're grateful for the technology that keeps us connected as a family. Lord, we pray now that uh, as we look to your word, your spirit would speak, that these would not be my words, but your words, and that you would pour out on your people your wisdom, your love, and your grace. We love you so much, Lord. We give you this time for your glory and our good. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we look at this account, there's some, there's some debate as to whether or not these Pharisees who spoke to Jesus actually came to warn Jesus or if they're just trying to scare him off. Um, but because Jesus knows all things, including the hearts of men, I think that his response to the Pharisees tells us um, that this particular group of men were, were sincere in warning him about Herod. Um, because he doesn't respond to them. Uh, he, he gives them a message to give to Herod. Um, at that very hour, some Pharisees came and said to him, get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. Get out of Galilee. That's Herod's jurisdiction. And he said to them, go tell that fox, 
Behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I finish my course. Go tell that fox. Right? This is the only account of Jesus calling somebody names. Right? Go tell that fox. I used to work for a fellow we used to refer to as the silver fox. Um, and if Harlan were here, he'd be laughing. But he's not. So he's laughing at home. Anyway, go tell that fox. Now, Jesus wouldn't have sent the Pharisees back to Herod with a message if they hadn't come from Herod, right? So that's kind of how I, I think that settles the debate. Um, and if you think about it, Jesus was a constant threat to the power and influence of the rulers of his day, whether religious or not. Um, the more popular Jesus got among the people, the more of a threat he was perceived to be by those who were in power and all they wanted was to preserve their power. But I just, I just love that response to them and to Herod. Go tell that fox. Well, what do we know about foxes? Why would, he didn't say go tell that turkey, you know, which is probably what I would have said. No, go tell that fox. Somebody showed me a, a beautiful picture of a fox the other day on, a, on the roof of a house, um, which tells you something about foxes. Uh, foxes are sneaky. They're sly. They look like dogs, but they act like cats. And there's nothing trustworthy about foxes, right? They're not to be trusted. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying about Herod, right? He is sneaky, sly, and manipulative. He's not to be trusted. So this wasn't just Jesus throwing out you know, go tell that turkey I'm going to do what I'm going to do and he can get over it, right? His response to him is, is, uh, is showing him not only that Jesus knows the heart of Herod, but he also is showing that he didn't fear Herod. Go tell that fox, behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow and the third day I finish my course. So what's Jesus saying? He's saying, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. Uh, I'm going to do what I've been doing here in Galilee until my work is done in Galilee. And then I'm going to move on. I'm going to cast out demons and perform cures today. I'm going to cast out demons and perform cures tomorrow. And the day after that, then I'll leave Galilee when my work here is completed. So at first, uh, at first reading of this text, sometimes we, we tend to... I say we. I tend to want to draw connections that aren't always there. Like he's, oh, on the third day I finished my course. Well, is he talking about the resurrection, right? We we read here Jesus was resurrected on the third day. Um, is that what he meant? That seems kind of, ooh, what's the secret behind all that? Well, the secret is there's no secret. Uh, It's just a definite marker of time. I'm going to be in Galilee for the next three days, and then I'm going to leave and go to Judea. Okay? So, Herod, you just relax, you old fox. No veiled reference to his resurrection on the third day. It's just a definite marker of time. He knew, Jesus knew what his mission was, uh, and he was going to carry it out, whether Herod wanted him dead or alive. It didn't matter. Jesus knew his mission, and he knew that Herod was powerless to stop it. That's a wonderful blessing about being Jesus. Like he knows the plan. And day by day, he knows. 
really kind of jealous about that. I'd really like to know the plan. Uh, you know, go tell that fox, behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow. And the third day I finish my course. Nevertheless, I must go on my way today and tomorrow and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet should perish away from Jerusalem. Now, this is another, another piece of this paragraph that I love so much. Not only is Jesus calling Herod the old fox, but now he's using a little bit of holy irony. It's almost sarcastic. Like, Herod can't kill me in Galilee because prophets die in Jerusalem. Right? That's... that's <clears throat> It's true that not every prophet ever died in Jerusalem, um, but the holy city holds a monopoly on, on killing and mistreating prophets, people that are sent to speak to the people of Israel, call them to repentance. The people of Israel don't like to hear that, and so they kill the messenger, right? Now, Jesus is the greatest of all prophets, and he knew that he was headed for Jerusalem to be killed, so he had no fear of Herod. He had the benefit of knowing the plan. He had no fear of Herod because Herod had no power to interrupt Jesus' ministry. And Jesus remained faithful to his mission from the Father until it was accomplished. So we get to see a little bit of Jesus' confidence and his confident trust in the Father and in the Father's plan. So we get to see also his compassion for God's people. Look at verse 34. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. Behold, your house is forsaken, and I tell you, you will not see me until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. You hear Jesus' heart? He's heartbroken. This is a lament over the people of the city of Jerusalem. And in truth, it's his lament over all people who would reject him. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you are not willing. Jesus would gather all under the comfort and protection of his loving and tender wings, and there all can find peace and provision and salvation, but not all are willing. Too often people are content with their own way or their own effort to prove themselves, to prove that they're good enough. How could God punish me? I'm such a nice person. I've never done anything to anybody. Maybe they're unwilling to admit their need for saving or forgiving. Right? I don't have sin. Why would I need to be forgiven? I'm not that bad. Maybe they're depending on their own sense of religion. I do not miss a service, you crazy fools. <laughs> right? I'm, every time the doors are open, I'm there because that's what we do. Right? And I'm counting on my own efforts to work my way towards God. I never miss confession. I've always done this and I've always do that. <clears throat> Jesus longs to gather all under the shadow of his wings. Those that have been turned off by organized religion, you know them. You've talked with them. Those that are counting on their connection to Abraham or their devotion to Moses. Those that are too proud to admit that they've ever done anything that could possibly offend God. 
Matthew Henry wrote, Christ's willingness aggravates sinners' unwillingness and leaves blood on their own heads. I'm sure that you've heard the question posed, how could a loving God send people to hell? He doesn't. People choose it. People choose eternal destruction over faith in Christ. And that's the choice that everyone is going to be responsible for. Jesus longs to gather all under his wings, but not all are willing. And to those who are unwilling, he says, behold, your house is forsaken. And I tell you, you will not see me until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, Jesus often spoke about the desolation of Jerusalem and how the temple itself would be destroyed. Remember, he said, not one of these stones is going to remain standing on another. Have you ever seen a picture of the temple? When it was standing, it was a huge, imposing site made of giant limestone blocks and plated with gold and and cedar and a beautiful sight to behold. Where is it now? Rubble. Not one stone standing on another. It is completely gone. There's nothing remains except for the temple mount, which is just the foundation. And that's not the building itself. It's just what the building was sitting on. The temple was destroyed in 70 AD by the Romans. They tore it down. Jerusalem has no king. Jerusalem has no prophets. Jerusalem has no more Ark of the Covenant. Jerusalem has no temple. Jerusalem has no sacrifices. The house is left desolate. But God has not rejected his people. The offer of salvation and forgiveness is still there. Jesus is still willing to to collect all of those all of those people under his wings. Now, at verse 35, uh, at first glance, verse 35 might sound like, again, Jesus is saying that those people aren't going to see him until the triumphal entry. Remember? Triumphal entry, Palm Sunday, where he say, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And Jesus rides in on the foal of a donkey, and there's, there's coats and blankets on the road and palm trees, and it's a big festival. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Well, that's not what he's talking about. R.C. Sproul wrote, the rest, of the, prophecy of, the rest of the prophecy Jesus utters in verse 35 is perhaps a short-term prediction. It may be that Jesus was saying, you're not going to see me, Jerusalem, until I enter the city on Palm Sunday, not that long away. Then the crowds will come and sing Hosanna and say, blessed, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Most commentators, however, do not think that is what Jesus had in view here, but rather he was speaking eschatologically. (laughs) Mark that word down. He was speaking of the last days, of the consummation of his kingdom, when he would return to this world in clouds of glory, and those who would be saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, would be saying it too late. At the last judgment, those who have been cut off from the kingdom of God will try to feign belief and hypocritically declare their allegiance to Jesus. It will be too late, however, for they have already resisted the call to discipleship that Jesus had given on this earth. 
There is a day coming when the clouds are going to roll back like a scroll, like the song says. And every knee is going to bow. And every tongue is going to confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. However, not everybody is going to proclaim that out of faith. And it's going to be too late. When that day comes, when that trumpet sounds, there's no more room. It's too late. The narrow door will be closed. So, what's our takeaway? What's our takeaway from this? I only like one-point sermons, right? So here's one point. Jesus himself gives us a wonderful, confident, passionate pattern to follow. Here he reminds us that God's plan will not be thwarted. Not by Herod, not by anybody. And if God's plan will not be thwarted, we can be confident to exercise our part in the plan. To be Jesus' witness, witnesses to the very ends of the earth, preaching the gospel to every creature. You want to know your part in the plan? That's it. To share the love of Christ with everyone around you. Jesus remained faithful in the face of opposition. Not everybody liked to hear his message, and not everybody wants to hear yours either. Herod and the Pharisees threatened his life, but Jesus stayed faithful to the mission that the Father had given to him. We've been given a mission, too, to be Christ's witnesses to the very ends of the earth, which is where I believe we live. Preaching the gospel to every creature, to every person, we need to remain faithful in the face of opposition to that mission. Have you been told at work, can you not talk about Jesus quite so much? Start pushing it. If it costs you your job, you think the Lord won't protect you? He won't provide for you? He will. When your family says, can you knock off this religious garbage, please? What happened to you? You became a religious fanatic. You used to be a lot of fun. Jesus stayed faithful in the face of opposition. God will take care of us, and he loves us more than our family ever could. Jesus longs to gather in the lost as a hen gathers her brood under her wings. And though not everyone will be willing he still uses us to give that invitation to come to him in faith and find forgiveness and salvation, protection and tender watch care and a bunch of other chickens just like us gathered together. What a wonderful picture. Praise him for his glorious grace. That's what he wants for us. That's why I love this church so much because I feel squeezed in with all you other chicks. <laughs> Chickens. I'll say chickens. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> I'm going to stop talking now. Praise the Lord. Amen. <laughs> Let's pray together. Father God, we are so grateful for your glorious grace. We're so thankful for the call of Jesus to come to him in faith and that we need to be constantly reminded of that call, constantly drawn closer to you. Lord, I pray that you would fix it in our own hearts even now in this moment, that we belong to Jesus because we trust in him. We trust that he died on the cross in our, 
in our place for our sins. He died the death that we deserve. None of us is good enough. None of us earned that great gift of your forgiveness. But you purchased it for us and give you offer it to us as a gift. And we're so grateful for that. Lord, I pray that you would extend more grace to us to help us to be faithful to the call that you have put on our lives. To tell people of just the wonderful things that Jesus has done for us. To be witnesses to his work in our lives. To tell people that Jesus is alive and he reigns, sits at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. We're so grateful for that, Lord. Lord, we pray that your blessing would be on your church. That you would be blessed by your church this morning. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.